Now, I don't know about you, but I'm glad I'm not a shepherd. Um, I've been watching Clarkson's Farm. I don't know if you've seen that. Uh, it's on Amazon Prime. And basically, it's a kind of entertainment documentary where he's been uh, looking after the, the farm that he owns. And whether you like him or not, whether you're a fan of him or not, uh, it is quite funny to see him getting kicked by a sheep. I have a picture here. There you go. It's a really difficult thing, it turns out, to keep sheep. They're either going the wrong way when you're trying to herd them, uh, they're knocking down walls, or they're kicking you and you're getting injured. It's not an easy job. And actually, pretty quickly, he, he hires a, a shepherdess to come and look after his flock for him. I'm sure, though, it was even harder in the time of the Bible. There would be no modern gadgets to, to help out, like the drone that Jeremy tries at one point. It would have been really exhausting work. And if you look at verse 8 in the passage in Luke chapter 2, you see they're still out in the field, even overnight, looking after their sheep, making sure their sheep are safe. Socially, it was not a, a good job. It was sort of right on the outskirts, on the edge of society. It wasn't something that, that people really appreciated. And I'm sure it was made harder by the politics, the fact that they were in occupied land under Roman rulers. Maybe that meant extra taxes or extra regulations, just extra pressure. It was a difficult job. And so when an angel turns up in the middle of the night and says this, Don't, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. You're going to pay attention, aren't you? You're going to sit up and pay attention to that. See what the news is. It says, he, the angel says, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Wow. The, the long promised savior of God's people has come. He has arrived. At last, someone's here to, to, to rescue. And that really was joyful news that uh, was for all the people. Great hope uh, on that first Christmas. And if you read on in the passage, you see that the shepherds went uh, and found this newborn baby and marveled at all that they saw and all that they heard. Found the baby lying in a manger. Real humble beginnings. And then they went off and they shared this news with everyone they met. It was good news for everyone, even these shepherds, right on the edge of society. They were the first to hear of Jesus' arrival. But the thing was, that was then. Seems like a very long time ago, doesn't it, when that happens. What about now? Does this message uh, that was given to the shepherds have anything for us today? Is this something that can give us joy this Christmas time? That's something I want us to think about uh, today. I picked up perhaps on the, uh, if you've got an invite uh, from our Christmas cards, it's all about joy. It picks up on that verse. And I thought it would be good. Whatever you think about faith, whatever you think about Christianity, I just want a few minutes now to, to explain why I think it's such good news, joyful news for us this Christmas. And I'm sure, surely that is something we want, isn't it? It's joyful news this Christmas. It has been a year of not particularly joyful news. There are so many messages we've received this year, haven't they, that have not been uh, joyful. News of the pandemic going on. News of lockdowns being pinged by track and trace. The endless press conferences, the rising infection rates. It wouldn't be a surprise, would it, if we get to the end of the year and feel just a bit flat, a bit joyless, a bit fed up. Because it does just all feel a bit hopeless. It feels like it's never going to end. And we feel like, do we, we, need, we need something to lift us. 
this Christmas. Let me ask you a deeper question. Do you think we ever really deserve to feel joyful? Do we ever really deserve it? Is it is it actually a right that we have? I can tell you one person who's not going to be joyful this Christmas. I don't know if you saw this in the news. Uh, there's a German man who was caught having an affair uh, with another woman. And he was found out when his wife got sent a speeding ticket. So uh, she looked, opened the letter. She was confused because she didn't even have a driving license at the time. And the photo, you know how it gets a little photo, catches catches you in the act. It was a different woman driving the car. And the husband obviously had to admit to what he'd been doing and faces a lonely, sad Christmas. I think both women ended up leaving him. And we think, well, quite right too. He doesn't deserve any joy after what he's been doing. He got what he deserved. And we think, well, that's quite true, I guess, isn't it? It's easy though, isn't it, for us to kind of feel like you know we're better than other people we can judge other people who may be worse off than us but just imagine i don't know something similar happening to you imagine you're it's christmas day you're having that lovely christmas dinner and, and enjoying all of the all of the trimmings the turkey and you've, you've you've ate your fill and you're really satisfied and you're looking forward to, to heading to the living room to maybe play with that new the new present or ch- catch a cheeky snooze on the sofa and instead, as you walk in with everyone else, you see photos up, stuck up all around the room with all of the, all of the secrets, all of the, the things that you've done wrong that year. It's kind of like, a, imagine a speed camera taking a shot every time you've done something wrong. And so all of a sudden you've got your greed and your lust and your selfishness and your anger and your jealousy and your hatred smeared all over the walls. Everything has been exposed. How would you feel? What what would you do? What would you say to those around you? I think I'd be trying to deflect the blame and say, "Oh, no, that's not it's not what it looks like," or trying to find an excuse. It wouldn't be good, would it, if we were exposed like that? Maybe there wouldn't be much joy to be had this Christmas if we were known in that way. But ultimately, surely we'd have to say we've been we deserve we deserve what we get. The Bible is really realistic about our condition as people. There's a verse in the book of Romans that says this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fall short of God's glory. Now sin is a word used by the Bible to explain how we've chosen to rebel against God. How we have not followed his ways. How we've, even when we've tried really hard, we've still fallen short. We've offended God. We are guilty. It's more than just the bad things we do. It's the attitude deep inside us, inside our hearts. So that it affects everything. Everything we think and say and do and feel. We are sinful. We have turned away from God. And the Bible's clear as well about the result of that. Another verse from Ephesians. Like the rest, it says, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Left to our own devices. The Bible says, we don't deserve joy. We deserve judgment. We deserve to face God's anger in a fair way, in a right way. And we can try and argue, can't we? But the evidence is there on the walls. Proof of our sin, proof of our failure. It's what we deserve. So there you go. There's the answer to my question. Uh, Can we have joy this Christmas? Uh, No, we can't. Uh, We're just going to leave it there. Uh, We'll just head off and, and go home. Of course not. 
course not, because there is hope. There is good news. Let's go back to the passage again. Luke chapter 2, verse 10 and 11. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This genuinely is the best news that has ever been received. This is news that leads to true and lasting joy. Great joy, as it says in the passage. This is news that changed the world. Today in the town of David, that's Bethlehem. That's David's, King David's hometown. A saviour has been born to you. A saviour. That was one of the names that, that we wrote down earlier, wasn't it? If we were doing the, the, the uh, sheep there. A saviour. Someone who has come to rescue his people. Well, we need that, don't we? We need rescuing. We need rescuing from the grip of sin on our lives, in our hearts. And it says, here he is. A saviour has been born to you. That was to God's people then, and that's to us today as well. A saviour has been born to you, to me. Who is he? He's the Messiah, the promised one. He's the Lord, the Son of God. He is Jesus. And he came not just to tell us how to be saved, but he came to save us himself. Imagine, just just for a second, that, that our sinful condition is like drowning in an icy lake. And we're kind of... We're literally about to, about to drown. We're, we're, we're fighting for breath. We're about to sink, sink down. Jesus doesn't just sort of stand on the edge going, try this, try that, you know, grab hold of this, grab hold of that. He's not just shouting advice. He dives into the icy waters to lift us out of sin and death. He's the rescuer. He rescues us. He dives in himself to save us. And he does that by dying in our place, by taking the punishment. What we deserve for our sin, he takes himself when he died on the cross. It's very different, isn't it, to to other belief systems that you see where it is more of a do this and do that and you might be alright. Jesus says the only way is for me to save you. It might seem strange for me to start talking about his death because aren't we thinking about his birth? It's Christmas time. We need to remember both. They're so connected. He came as a saviour. came as a baby. But his saving work was done there on the cross. In fact, in the book of John, he talks with his closest friends, his disciples, his followers, before his death, and he says this, John fifteen thirteen: Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. He's... This is before he dies. He says, this is how I'm showing my love for you. I lay down my life because you're my friends. Before that, if you go to that that chapter and read it, he, he says, remain in my love. Keep my commands. He says, so that your joy may be complete. So that your joy may be complete. And what he's saying is that if you really understood what it means for me to love you, if you put my, if you put your trust in me, Jesus says, if you come saying sorry for your sin, if you commit your life to me, then there is this deep joy that nothing can remove because there is peace with God. There is forgiveness. Have you experienced that joy? Have you ever experienced joy like that? There's lots of things, aren't there, that, that I'm sure will give us some joy this Christmas. Maybe it's that, that new toy that you're really looking forward to, that, that you, you know it's just going to be the best thing. Maybe it's new technology 
Maybe you want the latest and greatest phone or something like that. It's better, it's faster and stronger. That's what you want. That's what you're looking forward to. That's what's going to give you joy. Or maybe it's the feast. Get enjoying the turkey and the stuffing and the pigs in blankets and the puddings and the chocolates. Food gives us joy, doesn't it? When it's good food, it, it, it is lovely. Or maybe it's time with friends and family, time spent with loved ones, and you've got that, those precious moments of time spent together. It's good. There are lots of joyful things to, to, to look forward to. But the trouble is, they don't last, do they? They do not last. Our, the toys break, or something new comes out that actually you want more. The technology becomes old, or you can have that awful moment where you drop your phone and the screen breaks. The food is very quickly eaten, isn't it? And we get hungry again. And when we've got, when we have lovely time with friends and family, it's always too short. We're sad to see them leave. And perhaps for some of us, we're facing a difficult Christmas where we've lost a loved one this, this year. And we know it's going to be hard and it's going to be painful rather than a time of joy. So for some of us, we might need to recognize God's good gifts and be thankful. Some of us, it's good actually, it's right to recognize the pain of loss, that the world is not as it should be. But whatever, whatever you're sort of hoping, where you're hoping to get joy this Christmas, let me encourage you to, to, to look further than normal for joy this Christmas, to look higher, to look deeper. Where should you look? Where will you find joy this Christmas? I think the deepest joy we can know is in unconditional love. Maybe you've experienced something of that in your family or your marriage. When you're loved despite your failures, when you're loved despite your shortcomings. I'm really fortunate in that I've experienced that with my parents who have been patient and caring and treating me not as I deserve, as well as my marriage. Hipper is patient with me. But there's always a limit, isn't there? There's always a limit to, to our love as humans. It's never fully unconditional. What we, what we have in, in, in the way we love each other is just a small picture of the deeper and richer love that, that God has for us. If we put our trust in Jesus, if we accept the love that he has for us by dying in our place, then we have this unconditional love of God. The God who created the universe. So our sin, past, present and future, it's been dealt with, it's been forgiven. Jesus has paid the price. Can you imagine that? Go back to that, that, that awful moment when you walk into the room and, and all of your sin is plastered on the walls. You're known like that. And yet Jesus welcomes you. And Jesus forgives you. He doesn't reject you. He takes that sin himself so that you can be loved. You know, I think a lot of us, we tend to, to carry that sin around with us anyway, sometimes. It's like Jesus rips all of it down. And then we're sort of busy gathering it all up, putting it in a bag and kind of slinging it over our shoulder. And we sort of think, well, yeah, I know I'm forgiven, but, but what about this? And we, we can remind ourselves of all the sins that we've done. When I did that thing again, when I did this, when I did that, it weighs us down. And we need to remember, don't we, that when Jesus died, he said, it is finished. That our sin is removed completely. It's wiped clean. It's gone forever. We can let it go. We can trust that salvation. That's what it means to be forgiven. 
That's why we celebrate this Christmas. Because instead we are adopted into God's family. We have this incredibly secure position. That whatever we do, no matter what we do, we are safe and forgiven and loved forever. Isn't that staggering? That is the place of of true joy. And we're in the Father's arms forever. He will never let us go. So if you're a Christian already here tonight, if you're trusting Jesus alone, trusting his salvation, let me encourage you to rejoice this Christmas, to find that joy. Rejoice means feel or show great uh, joy or delight. How are you going to do that this year? How are you going to do that this Christmas? In your interactions with your friends and your family? In moments of quiet where maybe you need to preach it to your own heart if you're feeling a bit cold, a bit dry after the year we've had. The Son of God has come and saved you. Be thankful. Smile. Be be joyful. Let it burst out of you this year. It's tricky, isn't it? For those of us who are are British, we don't like to show emotion. We like to kind of be very self-controlled. But there are other times, aren't there, where we express joy, maybe at a football match or at a wedding or something like that, where it does burst out of us. Surely we can express something of that because of all that God's done for us. Let me encourage you to, to rejoice this year. And I do mean that even if Christmas is, is going to be hard and going to be painful. If you're aware that you're going to, you, it's going to be a tough one, then maybe it's not about the, the smile and the sort of light-hearted cheeriness. But at the same time, it's possible to know a deeper joy. A deeper reassurance that the hope that you have because of Jesus, you can hold on to that in the difficulty, in the challenge. And you can come with joy because you know you're loved, you know you're secure. And if you're not a believer, if you're not a Christian, whether here in the building or or watching online, then you see what a difference it can make this year. There's nothing else like it. There's nothing else that that can fulfill us and give us that joy because we are loved unconditionally. And I really pray that that God would speak to you today, would call you to come to him in confession and faith, to to turn away from that that old way of life, to put your trust in Jesus alone. He is the one who saves you, who plunges into that lake and pours you out. You can become part of God's family. If you want to do that, you can pray. You can pray right now and ask God to do that for you. We encourage you to do that. And if you're not sure how it works, then find someone. Talk to someone afterwards. Come and find me. Come and pray with me. Don't let it slide. Don't, don't avoid it. If God is calling you today. Well, as a way of responding, why don't I pray? And then we're going to sing one more song. Let me pray. Loving Father, we, we thank you. We praise you for all that you've done in sending your son Jesus. We thank you that he is our saviour. Thank you for, for, for what that means. And would you fill us with joy this Christmas? Would you help us rejoice because of the life that we have because of you? Because we don't deserve it. We are sinners. We deserve judgment. And yet you've rescued us and welcomed us into your family. Thank you. Please help it feel fresh. Help it feel new in our hearts this year, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.